Lights up. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. And as you head that direction, I want to thank you for being here t- tonight. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm one of the, one of the pastors and uh, get to help do other things as well. Phil Zito was one of our other uh, pastors who led us through prayer a few minutes ago. And uh, glad that you're here tonight. I'm, we are I've been working through the book of Mark for a couple of months now. We've taken some breaks here and there. And uh, tonight we get to the beginning of chapter 4. So this has kind of been a, uh, an interesting journey because we've, you know, there are lots of parts of the Bible that we kind of can skip around. You know, uh, there are some, some things that are, uh, you're kind of drawn to certain passages of Scripture and certain ideas, and some of them it's like, well, I don't. I don't really understand what that means, so I'm going to skip over it. I've never heard of that before. I'm just, you know, it's not quite as interesting, you know. And so when you go when you go through a, a book like this, you you just have to go to what's next. You can't skip over anything. And tonight we get to one that is not a skip over. This is like a very uh, like thoroughly preached passage of scripture. Uh, this is one that. Uh, Probably our kids' community group and our like everything going on back there with the kids. They've probably gone through this story. Uh, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably gone through this story. I know I've preached through it. We've done community groups on it. Uh, it's it's our old pal, the parable of the sower. And um, and I, I knew this one was coming, and I was like, Lord, I don't. When we get there, I feel like I'd be like, okay, we've already covered this, you know, and. Uh, of course, God was like, no, we're going to cover it again. It's, it's not only what's next, but um, God has reminded me of the, the sovereign timing of every uh, message that we get to. That there isn't a, it, it isn't just because it's next. You know, like He knew, and he's gathered this group of people tonight to hear these songs, and to have Phil lead us in that time of prayer, and to hear this passage taught, and to have, like, it's all purposed and strategic, and so I was thinking through the parable of the sower, and I was thinking through just kind of what we've seen in Jesus' life so far um, in the book of Mark. You know, we've seen, him, um, we've seen him teach, and we've seen him perform miracles, and we've seen him kind of assemble his dream team, his disciples. Uh, that's, he's kind of done a mixture of those things so far in the first three chapters. And he had a, has had a lot of people start to pay attention to what he was saying. A lot of people were drawn to him, especially because he was a healer. And so a lot of the attention he was getting was because he was healing people from uh, like their various ailments that, that they had. And he was also casting demons out of people, and that was really interesting to them. Uh, the exorcist has made it less interesting to us. But to them, they, were like, they wanted to see it. For us, we're like, no, 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 you're good. You keep that. You keep that inside. That's fine. Um, and so Jesus has has a lot of people who are paying a lot of attention to him. And I think you could put a lot of folks in the category of of listening to him, watching him, and saying yes. You know, they're like, yes, I I want to follow this guy. I believe the things that he is saying. I want what he is offering to me. And the the general thing that he is offering to people is life in the kingdom of God. 
that you're born into the king, a kingdom of this world that is just busted and broken in all these ways. And ways that we have all experienced and we see it all the time. Ways that we carry with us, you know, ourselves. And so as he's teaching, he's teaching about the kingdom of God. As he's healing people, he's showing them in tangible ways what the kingdom of God looks like. That God never intended for our bodies to be broken by, by sin. And so in the kingdom, he is, he is setting those things right side up again. He's restoring us to our original creation. And he's doing that in a temporary nature in this life. And then preparing us for an eternal, uh, like an eternal situation where we're healed forever. So when Jesus raises someone from the dead, or Jesus heals someone of a disease, or something like that that's going on that we see in the Gospels, those people all went on to eventually die. That's, just what, that's what happens. And so when he's setting them right side up, he's giving a preview of what eternity will look like, but he's also making it real in the here and now, because the here and now matters. And so you have all these people that have said yes to Jesus. But not everyone has said yes to Jesus. We've seen people say no to him. In particular, the religious leaders of the day, right? the, the authorities on the Hebrew scriptures and all the practices of Judaism, uh, have looked at him and they have said, no, this dude is not telling you the truth. In fact, some of them went so far as to say, he's actually, uh, the reason why he's able to do all these things is because Satan lives inside of him. They were convinced that that was happening. Part of it was a kind of a smear campaign to kind of reduce his popularity, but there was a, there was a belief that, that, no, this guy is actually of the devil. And so they said no to him. And we also saw last week that Jesus' own family, his biological family, said no to him. They thought he was out of his mind, and they went all the way to Galilee to try to like, bring him back home to Nazareth because you know, he's, he's kind of gone off the rails and he was kind of you know, ruining the family name and that kind of stuff. So they went to get him. And so his, like, these are people that he lived 25, 30 years of his life with who were like, yeah, this, we don't know what's, what his deal is. So his biological family has said no to him. The religious leaders who are supposed to know what's going on, they've said no to him. And yet everyone is still wor- is working with the same, um, same kind of information. You know? They're watching him perform miracles. They're watching him cast out demons. They're listening to him teach. Uh, they're, they're seeing all this happen, and yet some people say yes, and some people say no. Have you ever just stopped to think about that? You know? Like, Jesus was the best teacher that's ever walked the face of the earth. He's perfect. He never had an off day. He never had, a, never had an illustration that didn't just quite land. You know, he didn't, have, he didn't have like that one disrespectful you know, like situation that he didn't know how to handle. He was perfect in everything that he taught. And yet people still said no. He was, he was the, the, the ultimate rabbi who was inviting everyone to come and follow him and not just a select group. And yet people said no. Um, he was the best preacher that's ever walked the earth. And yet, when it came time for him to, to land, it, land it in the Hudson there at the end of the sermon and really like have a big altar call, which he didn't really do that, but let's just say that he did, there would be people who would say no. And so to the really pragmatic Americans, who, like, who, especially ones who are just based on efficiency, I mean, how many people are ready to fire all the LSU coaching staff? You know, uh, like we're like you have to you have to produce results. Otherwise, you have to be replaced. 
Jesus was not um, across the board 100% successful by worldly standards. Have you ever thought about that in the, how is it even possible for Jesus to fail to reach someone? It's kind of weird to me. And I think that, that the, the knee-jerk answer is, is partially right. The knee-jerk answer is, well, free will, right? He's given us free will. And so there are people who are free to say no, free to say yes, and some people just say no. And, and I think that that's part of the answer, but in this passage, Jesus, he gives us more to work with, first of all. But also, think about the times when, when in using your, your will that has been freed to follow him, you have said yes to him, and yet things don't really change very much. You know? I'm not talking about the, the religious leaders in his family and anyone else that said, no, he's possessed by the devil, that's not really... I'm talking about the people who said Yes to him. Yes, I will. I believe you. I will follow you. And yet in their believing and in their following, their lives didn't really change very much. Free will is not really the answer because in your freed will, you have said yes to him. So there must be more, more to the equation than just saying yes or saying no. And so I want to follow Jesus into this parable and take more of a big picture approach than like, diving into the, the specifics too much um, and just kind of like take that flyover view and see what he wants to say because I think if we'll listen to his words, uh, he wants to give us some insight not only, not only about people and humanity but about ourselves. And so maybe, maybe tonight don't listen on behalf of other people because you can apply a lot of what he's saying here in this parable to people that you love who don't want anything to do with God, um, you know, like those kind of things. It can help you understand others very well. But let's just be, not self-centered in a strange way, but let's, let's just be um, present here and really just think about kind of you and how this fits into your life as we go through it. All right, so let's, let me read it. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the, the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Others, uh, other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then verse 10 says, when he was alone, those around him started asking these questions. So, the, the parable of the sower, this is what's happening. He has this crowd, and they're getting close to the water, and he's like, okay, I don't feel like swimming today. So, he gets on a boat, and uses a boat as like a floating stage. He kind of gets away from the shore a little bit, and he tells just that much of a story. He's like, listen, everyone pay attention. 
sower goes out to sow, and some of, the, some of, the, some of it falls on this and this and this and this and this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's it. Like That's all that they get. And so the crowd disperses from there. Not a whole lot to go on. Maybe a little bit confusing. Maybe they were thinking, this was his off day, I guess. Like, it isn't, that story didn't really land. It didn't really go anywhere. And he sends them all away. So verse 10, this is, the, this is his disciples and, and the, those who were following him closely. So we're talking about his, like, his committed disciples, but also it, there could have been, we don't really know how big the crowd was here, but it wasn't the massive crowd. These are the committed ones that stuck around. And uh, they, were at, they started asking a question. So verse 10 says, When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, and then he quotes Isaiah, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Okay, let me hit pause right there. That, that's, that's a little confusing, because it sounds like Jesus is like, well, I don't really, I don't really want them to know the real meaning of what's going on here. And that's, that's like at a first reading, that's kind of how it sounds. But he's quoting Isaiah. And when you, like when you start to read people who are like Old Testament scholars and New Testament scholars, and they are experts at connecting those ideas, or why would he quote this here? The sentiment is different. And, and his hearers would have, would have underst- understood this. So let me just offer this little insight that I learned uh, this week. Um, when he talks about the kingdom of God, verse 10... Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, when he says the secret of the kingdom of God, in verse 10, he's saying, All right, so you've been given the secret of the kingdom, and what that, that phrasing would mean is that there are things about the kingdom of God that can only be revealed to you by God himself. Like, he's the, he's the only one who can do that, who can help you understand this. Um, and so when he says, to you has been given the secret, he's saying that, that these disciples, these who had said yes to him, their minds had been illuminated, and they were able to understand these truths of God that, that he was teaching them. And so illumination is this, it's a theological term that, uh, that you find in a lot of systematic theology books, that it's, it is literally like a room is pitch black, dark, and you flip on a light and you can see everything. That there are these moments when uh, things just become clear to you. And when Phil was leading us in prayer a few minutes ago to think about your first encounters with Jesus, that illumination is a part of that where you start to realize, like, wow, I, like, I am eternally messed up. And I've got to have God step in and help me. And I believe that Jesus is God who stepped in to help me. Um, and so Jesus is saying the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. In other words, God has made this known to you. And so um, to, for them and for us, that would bring us on what Jesus would call the inside understanding of the parable. So he says, so those on the outside, everything is in parables. Those on the outside are the ones who have said no, and those are the ones, like they don't have God illuminating them. Like they just don't understand what is being said. Because they have rejected, so far, what has been presented to them. They have said no to what the Spirit is doing. And so if you have said yes, 
then there is this illumination happening, and there are all these dots that are being connected for you. But those who are on the outside, they have not been illuminated. They do not have dots connecting for them. And so there's a, there's a difference when it comes to teaching as to what uh, the kind of understanding that's going to happen around, around the group. So um, N.T. Wright, he likens parables to political cartoons. And so, and this makes a lot of sense to me because I never really thought about this, but like, I mean, I've grown up in America. And so at some point along, along the way, I learned that one of our political parties is represented by an elephant and one is represented by a donkey. And if I see a cartoon uh, in the newspaper and it's, uh, there's an elephant with boxing gloves on, a donkey with boxing gloves on, then I know something political, there's a fight happening between the two parties, you know. But if someone were to move here from another part of the world, they would be like, this is the dumbest cartoon I've ever seen in my life. There's nothing funny about this cartoon. Because they don't understand the, the background of the images that are being used. And so once you tell them, they're like, oh, okay, I guess I understand that a little bit more. And so when you, when you understand the imagery, you understand the message being conveyed. When you don't understand the imagery, you don't understand the message being conveyed. And so N.T. Wright is like, okay, that's kind of a part of what the parables do, is, is Jesus is communicating these really deep and sometimes intangible things about God through using these illustrations. And those who have said yes, and, and those who are, are, are like open to what God wants to do, they are understanding these things. And those who don't, then they just don't understand what's happening. And so they label it as from Satan or you know whatever, this guy's lost his mind, that kind of stuff. So Jesus is saying, the reason I, I teach in parables is in part um, because I want, to, I want to illustrate these things of the kingdom uh, in, in ways that you can understand. And a part of what he's also doing is there's kind of an, an encodement that was happening. So, so if, if on that day on the shore, if there were these religious leaders who were like, all right, I hope he says something silly so we can surely take him out. Then when, when they dismiss, they go back home and they're like, I mean, we heard him teach and he just told a random story about some plants and it didn't really... Didn't really do anything. He's a bad teacher. We don't need to worry about him. You know? so, um, so that's kind of what's going on with, with the parables. And he, he really wants them and wants us to understand that the insight that God has given us is helping us connect dots. That there are, just like any good, any good teacher, there are things that, that you can teach, like you can like lecture on. And then there are things where there's like a lab, you know, where like, like chemistry lab and they're like experimenting with things to learn about what they were lectured on. It's like he's introducing here in Mark this, like another genre of teaching, which is like uh, illustration, it's analogy, it's object lesson. Um, and I know a lot of you love a good analogy, uh, because I've, I've been in enough community groups where people are grasping at straws, trying to find analogies to try to understand things. And so Jesus is like, hey, I'll meet you there, I understand that. Um, and so he's using this analogy. So he tells the story, he's back with his disciples, they're like, hey, we don't, really don't understand. And he's like... Wait, do you not understand what that parable was about? And they must have not understood because he then launches into this really detailed explanation. And look at what he says. Um, Verse 13, he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So, the disciples were young in their journey. They They were starting to hear about the kingdom. They were seeing these miracles. And the parables, like they, they were having trouble apparently connecting the dots together. Probably after a couple of years of following him, he would tell a parable and they would be like, oh, we can, 
we can do this now. We can work these problems now, you know. But this was really new to them. And he says, if you don't understand this parable, then how are you going to understand all the parables? What that says to us, this is why it's relevant for us in this room, is that this, this is the group that said yes to him already. They're, they're in. And he's like, okay. so it's possible for you to, to have said yes, to be illuminated, and still, still not grab onto what God is saying and doing. And I think for, for us, uh, I'm, I'm just going to assume that everyone here has said yes to the Lord. But if you haven't, then let's talk before you get in the car and go home. Um, if you've said yes to him, then there's something in this parable that he wants you to understand about your continued journey with him. It's very important. So he goes in and he explains everything. So look at verse 14. The sower sows the word. Okay, so the seeds that he is scattering, and that's how they would do it, is they would carry like a, kind of a sling bag around them, and they would just, like, just throw it wherever in these fields. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't precise. You know, if some of you are gardeners or whatever, my, both my grandfathers were gardeners, and they were, it was like, one of them was an engineer, and it was like, you could tell like an engineer did that garden. Like it's just too perfect, you know. And there's like a precision to it. And these guys are like, no, nah, man, that's not, how we, that's not how we do this. We just throw it everywhere. We turn the dirt over and we cross our fingers and hope for the best, you know. And so that scattering was very common. So Jesus goes and attaches a meaning to all the parts of the story. And the word of the, like the word of the kingdom is what is going out to everyone. So that's like all the truth Everything that's being like, conveyed is just being scattered out to the people. Verse 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. That's the footpath. It's, all, it's been uh, walked on and walked on and walked on, and so it's just hard as a rock and nothing can grow on it. Verse 16. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word... Immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Okay, so there are, are people who, like, so now we've crossed from those who said no to those who've said yes, and they've said yes, and they've been really excited, and everything's been great, but there, there isn't, like, they have not had the time in the game with Jesus to develop a root system down into the dirt. Maybe they're undiscipled. Maybe it was a youth camp high, you know, uh, whatever it might be. But uh, as soon as things get difficult, uh, they don't have any roots, and so their circumstances get the better of them. Um, verse 18. The others are the, the ones sown among the thorns. They're those who hear the word, but cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Another group that has said yes, and they are actually growing. You know, like there's, there's progress that's happening, but alongside them, there are other things growing up around them that eventually overtake them, just like any sort of flower bed or garden that's untended. Verse 20, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, Thirty-fold and sixty-fold and a hundred-fold. So this is an explanation about people rejecting the good news 
and it's a picture of a human condition we have to grab onto. So what's, what's the big picture here? Is that the, the message of the kingdom, like all the truth, like everything that God is like sending to us through the scriptures, through uh, the spirit at work, through creation, through community, all those things that are just constantly coming our way. Um, it comes alive in us the same way that a seed comes alive in the dirt. Slowly and only in the right conditions. That there's a slowness to these things coming alive in us. And the condition of our heart, like our internal life, uh, has a direct tie to that seed coming alive in us or just getting overtaken. That's the big picture. So you might look at, at your life, like you might sit back and, and like if, if you're thinking of your life as like, let's, let's think of, let's do this, let's think of all of our lives, or no, sorry, think of your life as just a patch of dirt and that God is just, he's throwing the truth of the kingdom onto your life all the time. Your, your like personal time with him, reading the Bible, praying, Studying, like all those, all that personal time, he's just he's throwing, uh, throwing these seeds onto onto this patch of dirt. That every community group, it's happening. Every like every like Christ-centered conversation with a friend or with uh, with you know whomever that, that that you have. Every Sunday night, maybe it's song after song after song. Maybe it's the scriptures. Maybe it's the sermon. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe you're a podcaster. Maybe it's the music you listen to on the way, coming and going from work, whatever it may be for you, he's just constantly, constantly um, putting fresh, new seeds out there. And you might look at your life, and, and I'm not being like facetious when I say this, like you might look at your life, and you might be like humbly in awe of how much God is doing and I, I hope, I hope that, that there are people here who can say that, who can look and say, like, wow, look what God has done. Look at my life however long ago compared to now. He's really, he's doing amazing things. There is a fruitfulness. Because one of these scenarios that he describes is people who hear the word and understand it, and there is a hundredfold uh, crop that's coming out of their lives. And if that is you, I want you to be encouraged I want you to be grateful. I want you to grab onto it. I don't want you to hear, to hear me trying to rain on that parade at all. I want to champion that. But if you look at your life, and you look at this field, and you're like, man, there's a, God is doing a lot of sowing. And the amount of sowing that he is doing is not necessarily in direct correlation to the amount of fruitfulness that I see in the field of my life. If you're wondering, why is that the case? Why is there so much Jesus coming my way, and yet I'm just, I don't really think my life looks the way that I want it to look? He's, Jesus is giving you insight. Like it's, not, it's not a free will issue. You've said yes to him. He's saying, hey, there's probably more going on here. There's other, like, Stuff in your life that is keeping 
that's keeping those seeds from really like coming to life and being fruitful in the ways that you want. So he gives, he gives some options. I don't think this is one of those exhaustive places where Jesus is like, let me tell you everything that could possibly be going on. I think he's using examples. Like some of you, those seeds land, but there's so many rocks and obstructions that they're, they're, things are just not taking root. And so is that, what's this, you know, what do you, what's causing that? You know, he would say, well, it's, it's, like, it's like a big patch of dirt that has tons of rocks in it. The seeds have nowhere to like root down into, so you've got to get the rocks out first. You've got to give it time to grow, but you also have to give it the right conditions to grow. And so for him, you know, he says it's, it's like, like tribulation and difficulty and circumstances on, on account of the word that, that there are times in our lives where God is doing, he's doing this really great stuff, but yet, like we just sit there and we're like, I know he says to live by faith uh, and not by sight, but sight really has me freaked out right now because my circumstances are telling me this. And so we start to pay a lot of attention to our circumstances and not a lot of attention to the other stuff. And what happens is that the seeds are trying, like he's trying to, it's, it's trying to take root, but it, it can't because you're obsessed over the details of life and all these exceptions that are coming. That's just one example. But that's a possibility. He also, is, he, he talks about like, uh, the seeds are going out there, and, and there aren't those obstructions. Like, the plant starts to grow, but what's growing up alongside of it is he uses you know, um, the deceitfulness of wealth, pursuing all these things that aren't him. There's all kind of stuff where you're growing, but there's other stuff that's in, like, in your heart and in your mind also. And there comes a point where uh, that stuff starts to grow at a really rapid rate. And so if that is happening in your life, if, all, if, if there's like good Jesus stuff growing, but there's like lots and lots and lots of other stuff, sin, sin patterns, um, just, a, just an embracing of worldliness in, in general, like all these things, like we, you can't have all that stuff in the field of your life. There isn't room for it. And God is very patient, and, the, and the, the word of the kingdom grows at a very steady rate. The world is very impatient. And so it tends to grow very, very rapidly, much like weeds in a garden will grow. You know, they'll grow so much faster than the stuff you actually want to grow. And so Jesus is saying, like, okay, so he, you know, he gives four, four examples. One of the four says, no, I don't want anything to do with what you have to say. The other three have all said yes. And two of the other three get eventually choked out. There's only one. There's only one that has the kind of life that you and I would probably say we want. And so if you're thinking about your life as a patch of dirt, and God is constantly, through all these different things, bringing all this truth into the field of your heart, and you look at it and you're like, I there should be a lot more. There's, I should, my life should, be, should look a lot differently than it does. You need to know that Jesus is telling us here that that is entirely possible. That you're not a like weirdo, you know. Jesus is like, no, don't be surprised when this happens. It's what happens. 
And sometimes it's very easy for us as followers, especially um, like just in in our country where we're you know we have religious freedom and that kind of stuff. Um, it is easy for us to just be like, well, you know, I guess that's just the season of life I'm in. Like, yeah, there's a lot of Jesus coming my way, and not a lot of it's taking root right now. But you know, I got a lot of stuff going on. I got a lot to do. I guess that's just how I am. I guess that's just my personality. Not much I can do about it, you know. But what should happen to us is it should kind of take us off a little bit, you know. Like in a good way, not in a self-deprecating way. It, it should, we should be like, wait a second, what, what's going on? If you're looking at your life and you're like, man, my life is not producing what I, I want it to produce, then let it make you, like, let it be motivatingly uh, angering to you. I don't know if that's a proper sentence, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, like, that should drive you to action. And inaction is still action, you know. And so we can sit there and we can be like, well, you know, I guess I'm just, I guess my life is, maybe I'm just one of those, one of those people, you know. Maybe my life's just not, maybe I'm a 30-fold, not a 60-fold, you know. And we just embrace it and be like, well, I guess that's just how I am, but I got a lot of other stuff going on. And maybe, maybe one day, maybe in this next season of my life, you know, maybe, maybe my, my crops will increase or something like that. Maybe I'm just having a bad year, you know. And we can embrace it, kind of, and just sit in it and pout and whatever, and, or compare ourselves to other people's fields and stuff, and, you know, and be like, well, I mean, I wish I was like that person's field, but I'm glad I'm not like that person's field, because that field looks terrible. Uh, those kinds of things. You could, we can just sit in it and embrace it, or we can like, really like, just kind of like cowboy up and get it done. And that's... That's why Jesus is saying is telling this parable, I believe. I mean, part of it is to understand the, the, the kingdom. And he's like, hey, look, um, the reason why some people say no and some people say yes is because there's a lot going on inside of you that, that determines what happens. And everyone that says yes, it doesn't produce fruit. And so it's a matter of how do I figure out the rocks and the weeds and the thorns and what, what's choking out all the Jesus stuff, what's keeping it from landing? What's keeping my life from transforming and looking different? Because nobody, I bet nobody in here wants to just go to church and never change. None of us wants to just follow the rabbi because other people are following the rabbi, but you don't want to become like the rabbi. You want, I know that you want it. You've said yes to him. I know that, that you really want that. It's going to take work. I wish that having a like a like really productive garden in the backyard was zero work because I would totally have one. It's deep heart work, though. Like it's it's the kind of stuff where you have to really come before God and you have to say, okay, what what's keeping this stuff from taking root? Why won't this stuff come alive in me? And you have to bring yourself before him and you have to ask him and you got to be willing to do the work when he starts to show you what it is. And I don't, I don't want for that to sound like strange or, or something like that, but we're going to put these verses on the, on the screen. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, if you want to do the deep work of the heart, like, like you and the Lord, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not ruling out like, Counseling, intense discipleship, all those kinds of things are very, very much a part of what we should be considering 
to, but I'm talking about like, where do you start? Take a cue from David. This is what he's, this was his prayer. Verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He, he brings himself before God and he's like, my heart, my mind, uh, I'm just, I, just show me what's going wrong. Show me the rocks, show me the thorns, show me the whatevers. What's choking out like your life really just producing in me more of yourself? And would you just lead me in what to do? And if you're like, you've you got to really be ready to do it. Because it's probably going to mean confessing some things, having some difficult conversations. It's probably going to mean bringing other people into the loop on how to pray for you. It's probably going to mean like you really having to have an honest look in the mirror or having an honest look at the field that's in front of you. But if you want it, don't you think that's a part of why Jesus has given us this parable? Don't you think Jesus wants the like hundredfold production of his people? He's helping his disciples understand, like, hey, look, just because you said yes to me does not guarantee that kingdom life is coming alive in you. There's a lot going on in there. And I know what's going on in there, and I will help you. And so it's saying yes to him, but it's saying yes to him over and over and over again. And wherever this fits into where you are, that's really only something that he knows about you and you know about you. I would just encourage you. I mean, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So hear, hear what he's saying. He wants you to hear and understand the word. He wants you to be everything he created you to be. He's the true vine. Father is the vine dresser. He's going through the vineyard of all of his people to produce fruitfulness in us. So wherever this lands with you in this parable and what Jesus is saying, I hope that you hear it as an invitation. And you know that saying yes to him is, is how you begin. If that prayer of David's is helpful to you, then just start praying it. Start praying it. And if you don't mean it, ask him to help you mean it. I mean, just find the starting point wherever it is. And so, in a few minutes, we're going to receive communion, and that's, that can be a step forward, a step closer. That could be your willingness to say, search me, and try me, and test me, and lead me. That could be your way of saying, I, I'm, I'm tired of being, um, I'm tired of having all this truth coming my way, and yet very little of it coming alive and transforming me. The first step is always closer to him. And so if receiving communion is a step closer to him for you tonight, you're welcome in the communion line. You could be, this would be your first time here. It's fine. If you want to say yes to Jesus, Jesus is offering his body and blood to you. And we're going to sing as, as that's going on, as communion's going on. And you don't have to take communion. It's just an option. You can just sing. You can come kneel here and pray. But I would encourage you to not let the parable of the sower be something that's just a kid's ministry thing. Jesus wants, he wants us to steward this reality well and to know that he is absolutely all for you and he's ready to help. 
And so let's respond. Whatever that looks like for you, let's respond together. Let's stand. As the band comes back, I'm just going to spend a few minutes. Let me pray for us. God, as we, uh, as we stand here, um, I just want to say thank you on behalf of, of the room for being so faithful to sow the word into us the way that you do. To take the truth, of the truth of your kingdom and your goodness and your mercy and your love. I mean, all the things about you. Thank you for faithfully bringing that our way through so many different ways. And you know, you know our hearts. You know, you know those in the room who, uh, who just want to say no. You know those who, in the room who want to say yes. You know those who, are, um, who have said yes so many times but are almost exhausted from the lack of fruitfulness that they see. And they're discouraged. And um, I pray, God, that tonight would be an encouragement to them. That they would just hear you drawing them deeper and closer. And God, maybe some say yes to you for the first time tonight. That would be amazing. Um, regardless, though, you offer, you offer yourself to us as a, as a step closer. And so as we receive communion, as we sing and pray, and as we do so together, um, would you just help some of those things come alive in us? We can't remove the rocks and thorns and stuff ourselves because we're just a patch of dirt. But you can help us to know what those are, and you can help us put the tangible steps together, one foot in front of the other. So maybe these next few moments would involve the first of that process. So may our response time um, and our last few minutes together be honoring to you. We love you. We thank you. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right, the table is open. You just continue to pray and respond uh, as you're ready.